welcome to Architecture Talk Tongue. I am Sara Colada, an architect and organizer of the Disrupt Symposium, the first of its kind business of architecture event, bringing to stage major architecture practices to cover topics related to entrepreneurship and practice operations within the AEC industry. I am an architecture business development consultant and my goal is to raise the financial well-being of architects through effortless business growth. Each podcast episode features an expert or thought leader from the AEC industry who shares their journey, challenges and advice. Now, let's dive into this episode and welcome our guest for an exclusive interview. Hello guys, welcome to another talk of Sarah Colasa Architecture Talk Tank. They have an exciting guest, George Valdez. He's from a company called Monograph and they're doing really exciting things. I'll let George introduce himself properly and tell you a little bit about Monograph first. But what we're going to talk about today is marketing and it's quite a big topic. I was kind of trying to avoid the generalization of a topic on marketing because there's a lot of marketeers I know in architecture and I didn't want to repeat content from before, but I just think that George is the perfect person to cover this topic and also tell you a little bit about the general problems that there are with marketing and why architects altogether haven't been using it appropriately or at least in the way that it's like the most efficient for a business that perhaps is more oftenly practiced in other businesses in architecture. So I'll let you introduce yourself properly, George. Everyone, thanks so much, Sarah, for, for this opportunity to kind of chat about this, really passionate about it. I guess I'll give a little background about myself. I studied landscape architecture and, and architecture, landscape architecture in, uh, in my undergrad and then architecture in graduate school. Um, and it was in graduate school where I kind of realized that what I wanted, what I was most interested in was not how things came together from like material perspective, but more systemically, like why should we even be designing buildings in the first place to some degree? Uh, or whether that was the right answer to solve. So from there, I basically ended up joining with a, with a friend of mine going into tech and have been working in tech since 2013 at various companies. Worked in things like AR with Google Glass through to VR with Iris VR and have um, most recently before Monograph worked at WeWork where I was um, part of the global growth strategy team. And uh, maybe some of that, some of those influences will kind of leak into the conversation. But my most recent role currently is at Monograph. I joined the team in November and uh, I'm, I'm part of the uh, growth team. So uh, we can talk a little bit about what growth means. Yeah. And so that's a little bit of my, my background. Awesome. Thank you. So, um, yeah, like I said before, I'm not sure if everybody knows the story of how like marketing was actually prohibited for architects. Uh, but that's basically, I think, the reason why architects haven't used marketing to its fullest extent. Can you elaborate a little bit on what, like, what's the, what are the general problems in marketing um, within how it's conducted today? Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not so that there's problems. I, I would frame it more as that the issue is in some ways too broad in what it does, and in some ways it's, it's not targeted enough. And, but what I mean by that is, Essentially, if you peel back the onion on what, like, what marketing looks like today in an architecture firm, it essentially looks like really a mix of sales enablement. And I can define that in a second. 
sales enablement, graphic design, more like communications management. And the, the thing there is that marketing in most other organizations is a, um, is a very outward facing initiative. It's not reactive, meaning that you know, a lot of marketing teams are focused on doing like RFPs or um, I would say mostly like passive type of work, um, not necessarily they're generating leads. Basically, in the tech company, in, in, in the tech industry and other types of industries, marketing has a very specific function to help generate demand. And that's why there's even titles like demand gen, um, in which people are, those types of people are focused on using various digital mediums to an and out of home campaign, what they call out of home campaigns, like billboards and stuff like that to start to generate interest. And I think a lot of this is an offshoot from like as you mentioned, Sarah, about how in the ninth, like around the seventies, and in um, in the U.S. specifically, I'm not sure as familiar with other countries, but the general premise before the seventies was that marketing was a bad word, and to use older language that they used to have in, in the AIA documents, no gentleman uh, would would uh, put themselves uh, you know out there um, using marketing, and so I think because of that, there's been this idea of marketing not even having like executives. Uh, ownership, meaning there's very few marketing leaders within an organization at the executive level. And I think those collectively together make for an environment that's not very measurable, that's not very outcomes driven. And ultimately, it's the most, it, it, it's in, it, they enable, right, the sales enablement side, they mostly enable sales to happen or to, for deals to close. And so they act as a supporting function to business development. When in reality, they should also be helping to generate business, not not just business development. And so how does that really apply to what would be like the right model of uh, of marketing and, you know, within like kind of within its function? I would say if, if we take those three things, right, that there's communications management, sales enablement and graphic design, like actually build it out that way. If you want to maintain sort of the structure that you have today and be explicit about what those roles look like, it shouldn't be that you hire a graphic designer necessarily to do communications management as well. And, and on all these other things, like let people do the work that they really feel most passionate about within those different areas and then give them ownership. I'd say if you wanted to think a bit differently about how to structure the organization so that it works more in sync with business development, then one of the interesting things that was happening at WeWork um, when I was there was this idea of account-based selling or account-based management, which was very different than a lot of other, let's say, uh, or organizations that sold space. Because essentially what you would do is you'd have your targeted list of accounts, right? You know, especially... When, when you have a very clear picture of who your potential client is, the kind of client that you want to go after, and you can create basically a list of what that looks like, you can work together with marketing to figure out how to get in front of those people. And so it's a very much, it's a much more targeted way of looking at, at marketing that's not just either not, not responding to like RFQs as I mentioned before, um, and using the tools that are, exist today, like social media, like even email. I think people don't use like cold emailing enough. It's actually, it can be effective if you do it right and institutionalize and make, and make process around it. But I would position it basically on who is your customer, what do they need, and how can you then structure the organization to market to them most effectively. And I, I think that would be a good place to start. Additionally, one, one other point would be making sure that the team, because they own 
lead generation as a way to report that. I find that some firms, it's very difficult to understand where, like if, if they have a really good sense of where their leads are coming from, how are they being you know, found out? And so there's a lot of tools that exist today to be able to actually create dashboards and have real measurable goals, you know, that, that the whole organization is trying to, to move towards. So I would say that's a big, a big component to this, this, this puzzle. It's like being able to actually measure your impact and report on it. It's really, really huge. And when it comes to like actually structuring the marketing department with, you know, some of the things that you mentioned, but actually what else is there important to take a look at for, you know, for a firm that would want to actually put some attention into it now, let's just say when we're in COVID and, you know, generate more leads or perhaps like analyze their CAC or, or again, like lifetime value of the, of their, um, you know, their, their services, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think during this time, it's probably very helpful to step back and take the time since, you know, things have slowed down to evaluate where the business is today. So if the firm feels like there's opportunities for improvement, then I think to start, it would be really helpful to understand what is, and just make sure that that the entire firm understands too, like what is the, what are the mission, what's the mission and values of the company? What is to start almost start from, from like core fundamentals, like, even to like the positioning, like how can the messaging get stronger as to like what the firm actually values and, and how it can also bring value to a certain uh, customer. Um, the things that you can be doing today during this whole situation, taking a, a step back to like understand what is the entire journey of a customer. And by that, I mean that um, let's say, for example, you focus on residential architecture and you know, there, there's still buildings that are going to be built after this whole thing, right? So um, we, we should take that as, as a premise. But uh, let's say you focus on residential architecture. It would be very helpful to understand the journey that people take from when they first have an idea of getting, uh, you know, wanting to buy a home or to have a, a hire an architect to hire a home. Typically, the idea of hiring an architect doesn't come comes that early into the process. It typically comes after. Uh, essentially, what people first look for is very basic stuff like how do I purchase a property? How do I? So there's all these questions that people have at the very beginning of their journey uh, before they even come into contact with an architect that should be mapped out. Um, you should know like what are the triggers uh, and in quotes like uh, the triggers that basically prompt someone to think about buying a new home or move or, or, or doing something like that. Like having a child is a really good example of one. Uh, my background here is uh, the baby's room that we're nesting <laughs> here. So uh, it's top of mind for me, but those, those are acted as like trigger points that then create a whole series of questions that want people want answered. And oftentimes architects sort of treat their, even their content strategy, what they put on their website, almost like just as an archive of things that they've done they don't go ahead and put content out there that tries to answer these questions. Architecture Talk Tank is sponsored by the good people at Integrated Projects, a team of architects and technologists focused on the digitalization of the built environment. Did you know that there are more existing buildings in this world than websites? Yet only 0.0001% have been digitized. In response to this, the Integrated Projects team launched BIMIT to digitize any space imaginable, 
offices, homes, mechanical spaces, you name it. Now any architect, engineers or reality capture specialists can convert their 3D scan into LOD 200 BIM just in hours, not weeks or months. Why does this matter? Well, now we can accurately view, verify and quantify the spaces that we design, build and operate. To learn more about BIMIT, visit www.integrated-projects.com forward slash Sarah Colada. It would be useful for a firm to start to put together content that like answers how do you buy a property? How do you evaluate it? What should you be looking out for? So that you're building, when someone comes across it through like Google or some, what other, other search engine, they can start to build a relationship with that firm already knowing like, oh, this is a very knowledgeable firm. They're super helpful. They're giving this amazing information. I like to contact them. And that's just like an, a, sort of an example of how you can take that idea of like, what are all the questions someone's trying to answer before they even come to an architect? And then, you know, what to do with that information. So you can build content, you can go to lecture, uh, try to give lectures specifically on those topics, not talking about your work, but trying to be helpful and provide value upstream to that, that question that they have. Um, you mentioned CAC and LTV. Um, I, I think it'd be helpful to define those terms because I think that that's also, when we think about what to measure, it's a very important, those are two very important terms. Um, CAC is a uh, cost of acquisition. So for every single person that comes into your funnel, um, every potential client, with them comes the potential cost. And so even the cost of bringing them in to a conversation in a meeting should be something that's measured. How much did we spend in marketing initiatives to get that customer in the door? Once you're able to start to track those, those figures over time and see how they convert from, from a, uh, a lead to an opportunity to an actual um, client, that helps you to then calibrate all your initiatives accordingly. And you can say, okay, well, maybe we need to like figure out maybe higher impact, lower cost initiatives to help get them to a lead while someone else works on how to get them from a lead and build the right sales enablement collateral to get them from a lead to a client, or even just helping to qualify them. Maybe you keep bringing in leads that are a waste of time that, you know, they're not very well experienced in building things. They don't really have uh, a very clear budget in mind. And you want to be able to measure that as well so that you can adjust your messaging accordingly. Maybe you're something about your website's drawing people in that are not the right, the right qualified lead. And the lifetime value part, it's almost like in, in very clear terms, what it means is what is the total amount of work that you could potentially get from this customer or this client? And so initially we sometimes think of Clients is like, okay, well, I just do one project for them. But oftentimes, because you've already built that relationship with them, this is where a lot of the major source of most work comes from uh, for architecture firms. It's from those repeat clients. And so if you're able to say, okay, well, how can we expand the lifetime value of this, of this customer? Then it starts to create cadences and campaigns and other activities around that um, to help, you know, whether it's like to the marketing team, uh, creates an automated email that goes out that just like, hey, like, want to invite you to our holiday party or, or things like that, that that start to um, reconnect people over time. And, and most importantly, keep your firm top of mind to, you know, your your network of people that, are, that you work with. 
And yeah, I think, I think that's a, those are really good places to start. I mean, ultimately you can always, you can think about how, I mean, most important, just thinking about what the structure of your organization looks like today and how you can enable it to be set up to go after the clients that you want, not to just wait. Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, it's when you're explaining all of this, I'm just thinking that, um, you know, I am familiar with concepts of how to like, implement the analog experience of like obtaining leads and and then translate it all into like a funnel but it's 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 this complex process really that um takes a lot of steps along the way like from even content creation and the topics you cover understanding your audience to lead generation to lead magnets and things like that and, and all of this has um like a physical interpretation but also has like a digital process behind it like you, you have to somehow automate parts of it as well so essentially like at the end you can end up with an actual website funnel or uh, you know a lead generation funnel or perhaps a mailing list funnel whatever that is where do like if someone doesn't know the process right because it's it's elaborate um where do they start to understand the relationship between like certain actions that you take and how that then translates into actually automation and the backend of it all? Because it works together. This episode of Architecture Talk Tank is brought to you by the MGS Global Group, a team that provides on-demand CAD and BIM drafting, as well as renderings for architecture firms. In today's environment, with everyone experiencing a surge in projects and staffing challenges, MGS Global can deliver your drawings on time and within your budget. So why work with MGS Global? Their customer service is exceptional and they provide quality for value. They have completed over 5,000 projects worldwide, a testament to their work. Now you can focus on design and let MGS do the rest. Check them out at www.mgsglobalgroup.com. Yeah, I think that's, it depends on the kind of resources that you have. Um, so if you're a smaller firm, obviously this is probably going to land on the CEO or the, the founders of the firm to think about uh, more deeply and, and kind of dive a little bit deeper into, into these tools. There's a lot of great books that do exist out there and resources like that doesn't have to be within architecture. I would really encourage people to go outside of it to learn more advanced techniques uh, because a lot of other industries are constantly uh, spending a lot of resources into their mar marketing uh, infrastructure. There's kind of like trends that emerge in marketing and, and, to, and, and I feel like it, Counted to architecture where it's feel like it's pretty much stayed very much the same since uh, a certain period of time. So books like uh, from impossible, what is it from impossible to inevitable uh, by Aaron Ross is really, really good. Helps to really map out some of the techniques and strategies that the firms that the companies have done. Um, and it, I think it has sections a little bit on automation as well. <clears throat> There's YouTube videos galore on this subject. Um, if they're really interested in learning more about um, marketing from a different perspective, this website called Saster, S-A-A-S-T-R.com is an amazing resource for anybody interested in just learning about general leadership, um, strategies for sales, strategies for marketing, how to run an organization, 
uh, from zero to a thousand to ten thousand people and how to scale that uh, it's it's really tactical advice um, and then other than that I feel like if you're a larger organization then you should try to find someone in marketing a marketing leader that is kind of plugged into that that wants to own something that wants to be innovative and wants to dig deeper into how to how to learn about these things. Maybe they come from a tradition, maybe they worked at other architecture practices, but they just have that itch that they need to scratch, which is basically like, how can I be better? And I think um, that is a really, a really good quality to have in someone that you're gonna hire for the marketing side. Um, and that, probably the best place to start if you, know, you, you can't yourself dive into the weeds so much. Um, in terms of automation, you know, probably better to start off with a consulting agency that does that kind of work to help educate. Um, but then basically once your marketing organization understands the motions on how to make that happen, then they, they should be off to the races on their own. Going back to monograph alone, um, it's such a great tool um, because it solves like a real life problem uh, within the praxis. Um, can you elaborate a little bit more and tell us a little more about how the tool works alone and how does it actually help uh, managing projects and uh, perhaps also with the business management side of things? Yeah, so I, I think the real, the key thing about Monograph is that it sees the business and projects as very, as completely tied together. Um, and so a lot of what Monograph is trying to do is make sure that on any given day, you understand where your business is at, both at the project level, as well as like the budget level, um, even the resource level. Um, so, in, and by resource, in this case, we mean team members, right? Like what, uh, how is the time being allocated to those team members? Um, where are we in the current state of the project? And it's basically trying to answer those questions, even to the point of like, you know, what is our, what is our current real-time projection going out for the next year in terms of revenue or beyond, right? You want to be able to understand, forecast your revenue accordingly. Um, and so that's the place where we start. You know, we want to make sure that end to end it works for your business. Um, the vision of the company is a bit uh, much broader than that in the sense that like most project management tools today are really focused on projects that you manage internally. And what with the complexity of the world as it is today in the sense that like, all you're all we're seeing today is more fragmentation in the sense of like how many people are working on a project how many different teams are working on a project you know even a, a, a residential project has five six seven teams that are working on it and all of them have their own project management solutions their own way of sort of doing things what we think is a very potential big potential here is to make sure that the project is something that everyone can contribute to that it's not just siloed within each of these organizations, but it's more effectively managed by everyone being able to work together and collaborate on it. So that's where we're hoping to go uh, alongside with some other really interesting um, insights that we've gathered along the way, working with so many architects about projects in relation to things like contracts and, and, um, and risk. Um, which is very exciting. So you promised to elaborate a little bit about the role as a growth um, yeah. 
Yeah. Growth is like, it covers so much. It's like, I'm a little bit of like customer support. I'm a little bit of uh, sales and I'm a little bit of marketing, but in, and actually that, that makes a lot of sense because all what at monograph, we do map out what the, what the journey looks like for our customers. Um, when do they first have, when are they first thinking about moving to a project management software? Um, and because we step back and we measure the business from very key metrics, um, basically like we look at acquisition, well, we look at awareness, like how many people know about us. We look at acquisition, how many uh, customers are we actually uh, able to bring on as leads all the way to con- converting to, you know, signed uh, uh, customers or, or actually using our product and then all the way to renewals. So at some point, like a, a company wants to sign up again. And so we map out like five key numbers within the business. And my role is to help drive awareness all the way to acquisition and to uh, retention. So basically make sure that they're staying with us longer. And when you approach it from that perspective, then marketing kind of looks very different or the role looks very different because um, ultimately what you're trying to do is develop key initiatives that are going to drive some of these numbers forward. And so it's a much more, uh, you're always trying to prioritize what's the biggest problem here. Sometimes the biggest problem is not generating leads. It's actually that people are leaving because they're not being well-educated on how to use the product. So then I come in and I'm like, okay, let me figure out how to um, write more articles for support because we're a small, we're a small team. So it also naturally means that I have to wear a lot of hats, but it also allows me to focus on like, okay, understanding the customer really deeply and how to make sure that they're having a great experience throughout from when they first hear about us all the way through when they are in trial, like actually trying out the product itself. And so it's really kind of like, um, what's exciting about it is that you're always kind of thinking about what is the, the most important thing to do today? Not so much about, um, you know, doing something almost regularly. If anything, my job is to figure out what those initiatives are, mock them up, um, experiment, run experiments against them. And then the best, the best performing initiatives, I playbook them and I get, uh, and I get resources to help, um, systematize it and do, do more regular, um, uh, events with them. So it's, it's a kind of broader look at the business. And that's what I find personally very exciting is that it, sometimes it looks like marketing. Some other days it looks like sales and some other days it looks like some success, but together it, it makes for a stronger, um, like every initiative just feels like you're working on the right thing. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing all of this. Um, if, our listeners want to find you and monograph. Where do they go? Uh, well, myself, you can look for George as in George Washington Valdez in uh, LinkedIn I'm there um, or Twitter. Same. Uh, I don't think I have any changed. They're all George Valdez, which is nice uh, or Instagram. And then uh, uh, for monograph, it's monograph.io is the, the website. Um, and yeah, that's, best way to reach us. Awesome. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time and very insightful um, look into marketing. And I hope that the listeners found a lot of value in this and also that it prompts uh, people to think uh, a little bit about those strategies because they really tie in very well with business strategy as well. 
and eventually when implemented um, it's easier also to manage teams and projects i think okay well thank you so much george thanks for your time and thank you for the listeners as well architecture talk tank has its own frequency we're not a regular podcast but we are here for you always if you have a suggestion for a guest or have a story that others in this community can benefit from, please contact me via social media or email me directly at me at saracolada.com. To sign up for my newsletter, simply go to the website saracolada.com. I am on Instagram, YouTube and LinkedIn. You can find me by typing my name, Sarah Colada. Come say hi. I'm always excited when you reach out. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.